Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I want to hear cannons. Outfield, pull up, ball to the five, touchdown, Tampa Bay. My Gubbins does it again. Fire the cannons, Bucks. It's first and goal. That's picked off. That's picked off. And who else? Rondé Barber. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers may ride to the Super Bowl with that one. Third down, 18. Dropping Gannon, looking Gannon, looking Gannon. Those up with it. Hands in the The 8-8 eight eight Tampa Bay Buccaneers with one game left on the schedule have one more NFC South team to face to clinch the NFC South division for the third year in a row and stake their claim in the NFL playoffs. It has been one whirlwind of a 2023 NFL season, but it all comes down to this for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If they win, they are in. If they lose, it is all over. From the 2023 season uh, to, to maybe the coaching staff, to maybe the quarterback, we're going to dive into all of that and then some on what may potentially be our final game preview episode of the Cannon Fire podcast for the 2023 season. It is definitely our final game preview of the regular season. But obviously, that performance by Tampa Bay on Sunday is going to go a long way in deciding if we're even going to be talking about this team next week. There is a lot on the line for the Bucs this week, Evan. And, you know, it's it's one of those games where I, I said it before the show, and I don't want to sound like I'm overreacting here, but let's be honest, aside from the obvious here, aside from the NFC Championship game in Super Bowl 55, this may as well be one of the most important games we have ever covered here on the history of the Cannon Fire podcast, on the almost eight-year history of this show. Could be, um, because I think it definitely changes with a loss, um, but you're talking about like the direction I think this franchise goes in the next five years, basically. Like, what you know, what do the 2020 six bucks look like what do the 2027 bucks look like it could be a lot different i think depending on how this game goes uh if the Buccaneers were to lose this game i i don't see a way todd Bowles is back and honestly even though i think there would be a chance that Baker mayfield would be back if they were to lose this game I think the Bucs would probably just want a, a clean slate. So uh, you could be looking at the head coach and quarterback both gone, uh, brand new personnel there, and it would be a lot of changes. If they win, that's the third straight NFC South title, which would be uh, a, a record for them, and a four straight playoff appearance, which would, I believe, tie a record for them. So it is, uh, and then potentially, you know, keeping the head coach and, and quarterback for yet another season in 2024 and seeing how that goes. So, yeah, there is a, a lot of uh, stuff at stake here for, for both Todd Bowles and Baker Mayfield, and, you know, for the whole team, really. I mean, it's do or die, just like the, the title of this episode says. And um, basically it's, I think it would be different. Uh, and I think we'd be looking at it a little bit differently in terms of like, oh, if they lose this game, there's going to be wholesale changes made. If they were playing, you know, even a team like the Rams or, you know, I'm not even saying like the upper echelon of the NFL, but they're playing a solid team. You're playing the worst team in the NFL. Like this is a team that you absolutely have to be. You have a gift basically right here where you're playing the worst team in the NFL with a chance to win the NFC South and go to the playoffs. It has to be a win. And it had, I don't know how pretty it's going to be, but it, it has to be a win. And if it's not, there's going to be, there is going to be consequences. And I, I've seen a couple people, particularly on our social media, um, on our Twitter, that said, like, you know, oh, win or lose, Todd Bowles is going to be back, even if they lose. I, I just, I don't see it. I, I don't see a way that they lose that game against Carolina tomorrow and Todd Bowles still has a job come come this time next week. I, I just, I, I don't see a way that they could keep him if they lose that game. That's the most important bit of context there, and you had brought it up. But if the Bucks were facing a quality opponent, if they were going up against another team that was fighting for the postseason or a team that had already locked themselves in as a playoff team, it would be a much different conversation if the Bucks went out there and lost. But, I mean, we talk about, 
everything that's on stake here for the uh, everything that's at stake here for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, not only for the season, not only for getting to the playoffs, but for keeping this coaching staff around, for keeping Baker Mayfield at quarterback for another season. I just I do not see a scenario where if the Bucs find a way to lose to the worst team in the NFL, there's no excuses. Like that's it is what it is. You know, you cannot make excuses to keep Todd Bowles around or a lot of these impact players who may not potentially show up. But I don't want to get too negative before we even dive into the game because we are talking about the 2-14 and 14 Carolina Panthers. And this in itself would be a much different conversation, uh, in my opinion, if the Bucks had showed up and, and handled business last week, or at least showed up and looked like they wanted to handle their business last week in that loss against the New Orleans Saints. So, you know, our, our buddy Gene coined the term at the beginning of the season, and I have said it. All year, I'm going to say it again today. When I look ahead at this game against the Panthers, like the elements are there. If you're the Bucs and you have to win a game to get into the postseason, the one team you want to play is the Carolina Panthers. But just like I have been all season because of the inconsistency, the lack of execution, the coaching errors, you know, the things that we have seen this year that have made the Bucs a below average team in a lot of people's eyes, I am cautiously optimistic because... Those inconsistencies, the four-game win streak was great. But outside of all of that, this team did not show me throughout the season a lot of evidence for me to feel strong enough to think that they're going to go out there tomorrow and they're just going to handle Carolina and they're going to beat them by 25 points. I don't think it goes down like that. I don't think it's a struggle. I would like to think if this is a Bucks team worthy of taking up a postseason spot, they can handle their business against a sorry team like Carolina because they have to be better than a two-win Panthers team. But, like, I, I don't know. Can can you fault me for still being, I'll say it again, cautiously optimistic about this game, even after the four-game win streak? And I know it was a disappointing loss last week, but the Bucks gave a lot of people a lot of things to be excited about here in the second half of the season. And I'm just, I'm still not there all the way. Yeah, I mean, you know, one thing to note is that Carolina is also like they're the worst team in the league by a wide margin. And it's not like there's other people like they've already wrapped up the number one overall pick. Like, obviously, it's not their pick, but they've wrapped it up. Uh, the next worst team has four wins. So double the wins that Carolina has. That's how bad Carolina has been. Uh, David Cardona actually mentioned something in the chat that I did find interesting. This game feels a lot like the Colts in 2021 when they played the Jags to win and get in and failed. I'm worried what happened there can happen here. And that's a great I mean, that is great context. Um, like, that is the Colts were in a position with Carson Wentz, who is a lot like Baker Mayfield, sort of a high draft pick who uh, was casted off from his former team. And the Colts had a chance to clinch clinch the clinch a playoff berth, right? With just one win in their final two games. They lost to the Raiders 23 to 20. And then they went to Jacksonville to play the Jaguars, who were the worst team in the NFL. And the uh, the Jaguars at the time were two and fourteen, just like the Panthers are right now. And the Colts lost twenty six to eleven, and the Colts missed the playoffs. Uh, Carson Wentz was ultimately not kept, and the franchise went in a different direction. So uh, it is kind of eerily similar uh, to that. Um, but I, I think what what David Cardona is basically saying is just just what that last sentence says: if it can happen there. It can happen here, right? If it can happen in that situation, the any given Sunday thing is 100% true. If it can happen in that situation right here, it can certainly happen tomorrow. You know, like it, it certainly can because we've seen it, right? The Colts should have been a desperate team wanting to get into the playoffs. All they need was one win. They had to beat the worst team in the NFL to do it. And, and it was a division opponent, and they couldn't do it. You know, and so what happened there can happen here. And uh, I, I do think that... Um, you know, being cautiously optimistic is fine. You know, I I, I think that is that is acceptable. It, it's, you know, um, there's obviously going to be people I I think that are more optimistic. There's going to be people that are more pessimistic. You know, there, there's going to be people that I think look at it and say, uh, you know, well, even if the Bucks win, they're just going to get you know crushed in the playoffs. Or there's people that are going to say, well, no, the Bucks aren't going to win, and this and that. And I I get both sides of it. Um, but I do think. With this situation, with this particular game, I think cautiously optimistic is probably the right play um, because I, I don't think you want to, you know, 
you talk yourself off the ledge a little bit if you think you're gonna if you think the Panthers are gonna beat the Bucks right now, right? But at the same time, I wouldn't be sitting there saying, "Oh, there's no way." Like you know, there's there's a way. <laughs> like this team has lost to teams that they should have beaten all year and last year. So there is definitely and and throughout the Bucks history, there is definitely a way. You've seen this game play out a million times over. So um, I I do think cautiously optimistic is the right way to go. If my memory serves correct as well, when the Jags beat the Colts the final week of the year, one of their only other wins of the season was against that Colts team. That rivalry within that division there uh, was kind of like the Bucks and Saints for a long time. It seemed like the Colts could just not get away from Jacksonville. Yeah. Unfortunately, that final week of the season you brought up a couple of years ago with Carson Wentz was one of the biggest difference makers for them in a season where it came down to the bitter end, just like Tampa Bay. But Looking ahead at this matchup, I think for the Bucs, they obviously know they cannot come out like they did last week against New Orleans. I do not think that is going to be on the agenda, but they do have to get back to that brand of football they were playing against teams like Green Bay, against teams like Jacksonville, and I know Trevor Lawrence was beat up and the rest of that Jacks team was beat up, but those two games, even the Jacksonville game, probably the best complimentary football the Bucs have played all season and a lot of that was mistake-free football as well. Not a lot of turnovers by the Bucks in that game. And last week against the Saints, you know, one of the biggest reasons that game got out of hand so quickly was because of the abundance of turnovers. Uh, the Bucks just got to get back to playing a winning brand of football this week against the bad team. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's the right week to do it. You know, just like you said, it's it's against a team that won. You know, their season's over. They know it. They've known it for weeks, obviously, but... Um, I think there is one side of them that probably, you know, just wants to get the season done with, right? Like the, the players know, like they're not playing anymore. Like they just want to rest up, you know, for a month and then whatever. Um, you know, it's been a brutal season. A lot goes into an NFL season and you put a lot on the line each Sunday. And when you don't win much, you know, it, 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 it you know, it, it hurts. So um, I think there's a part of them that just wants it over with At the same time. There's, I'm sure there's probably part of them that wants to spoil this for the Buccaneers. You know, like, yes, obviously the Buc the Panthers beating the Bucs would mean that just another division opponent wins the division. But you don't want the division winner to be winning the division against you. You know, like, like you want to be like, all right, we handled our business. You didn't you didn't win the division. Right. We didn't let you win the division. That's what I'm sure a lot of the Panthers are going to be thinking. So they have nothing to lose. And we've talked about that on the podcast a bunch of times, uh, particularly, you know, in the Tom Brady era, when a lot of the expectations were on the Buccaneers and or the, and they were playing a uh, not so great team later in the season. Or I remember, you know, that 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 Jets game. Right. There was the Jets had nothing to lose. Like, like who does everybody? thinks the Jets are going to lose. So what is it? What does it matter that the Jets lose? If the Jets lose, it's oh yep, yep, the Bucks beat the Jets. All right, cool. Right? Nobody thinks the Panthers are going to win. So if if the Bucks win, all right, cool. You know, so the Panthers are going to be playing more loose. Uh, the Buccaneers are going to have more pressure on them, and it all could have been avoided if they had just taken care of business last week. But you know, they did this to, to themselves. Let's take a look at the quarterback. His status was up in the air for most of the week. Baker Mayfield, who is 93 passing yards away from a career-high 4,000 passing yards. He has also matched some career-high stats in touchdowns, 28 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, with just one game left to play. Coming off of one of the most productive seasons of his career with Dave Canales, a first-year offensive coordinator and play caller. A new system in Tampa Bay, but we've talked a lot about Baker this week. And I think at the beginning of the week, we kind of said that if I had to throw a gut feeling out there, I think he's going to tough it out. I think he's going to play. And according to what Todd Bowles had to say earlier this week, that's exactly what's going to happen. Expect to see Baker Mayfield start and hopefully finish this one. But protecting him this week is going to be probably the most important it has all year. I, I, I think... You know, there's been a couple of games where he hasn't been playing at 100%. When you're at the tail end of the regular season like this, I don't think there's any player on your roster that's playing at 100%. But for Baker Mayfield, you got to hope he can go out there. He can still be productive, lead this team to a win, but not do any more damage as well. Because the last thing you want is your potential franchise QB going down in week 18. You know, just a, just a week before the postseason. A little loose with the term franchise QB, but 
Oh, I, I digress. I'm just saying, even I think I did say potential he, franchise QB. Yeah, yeah no, but but even if the Buccaneers re-sign Baker to a three-year deal, he's not their franchise quarterback. Oh, Evan, we're not doing I, this today. Do you nope. think Geno Smith is Seattle's? Fran- do you think Geno Smith is Seattle's franchise quarterback? I don't know. Let's have ten Seahawks fans call in, and then we'll break down the numbers. I don't know. I don't know what people consider Geno Smith, but a, a I think franchise Baker quarterback. A franchise quarterback is somebody who is elite. That's oh. a, fran- a, a, a that's a franchise quarterback. But I oh, digress. We're not doing this today. Yeah, I, I digress. I digress. Um, the word fran- I guess the over the years the word franchise quarterback has just not meant as much. I guess. Um, so Wait, any anyway, did you? Ever, did you I, there, oh, go, what what what? Go ahead. Go ahead. I just I got to ask this one question because now go you ahead. really got me thinking here. You 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 put the bait out there and I took it. So shame on me. But. Did you ever consider Jameis Winston the Tampa Bay Buccaneers franchise quarterback? I mean, yeah, for a few years, for the first few years, duh, because that's what he was drafted to be. The Buccaneers did not sign Baker Mayfield to be their franchise quarterback. The, the Bucs drafted Jameis Winston number one overall. You draft a guy number one overall to be your franchise quarterback. It didn't work out. The, the Browns drafted Baker Mayfield number one overall to be their franchise quarterback. It didn't work out. The Bucs were not signing Baker Mayfield to be their franchise quarterback. I think we can agree to disagree on this one. Here. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> it's fine. All right, so let's get into... Uh, I don't even know what your point was going to be, but the floor is yours, my friend. Yeah, so, I mean, honestly, it's... Um, no, and then uh, people in the chat are saying, you know, oh, Baker's better than Gino. I'm not saying he's not. It's just uh, the word franchise quarterback. It's, just, it's a little different. It, it, it's a little different. So if the Bucks, so if the Buck, God damn it, you got me circling back. You got me. Go you got me. Go All ahead. right, now Go I'm ahead. invested. So if the yeah. Bucks decide to make an investment, if the Bucks decide to make an investment on Baker Mayfield at this point, because mm-hmm. I just said it. I mean, this is statistically one of the best seasons he's ever had in the NFL. Given the circumstances, I do think it was somewhat impressive because a lot of people picked this Bucks team to only win two, three, four games, and here they are, one win away from the postseason. The job's not done. They have to go out there and finish the job, obviously. There's a lot left to do. But if the Bucks make an investment on Baker Mayfield, let's just say for the sake of the argument, three-year deal. Mm-hmm. And in those three years, you build a team around him. I just What else do you call it? That's not a franchise quarterback. It's, it's a good quarterback. I'm not saying – people think just because I'm saying it's not a franchise quarterback means I think he sucks. That that's not to me. That's not a franchise quarterback. That's just to me. It's a nice. It's a good stopgap. He's going to be twenty nine years old. Like I I mean, he's not. You know, he's not no spring chicken. It's not like he's twenty three and and has an entire career ahead of him. You know, so he he's a stopgap, a a really good stopgap bridge quarterback. You know, like that to to me, that's the difference. A, a franchise quarterback is somebody who every year you think you have a shot to win the Super Bowl. That's it. Anyways, <laughs> so I, I yeah, I I don't I and, and throughout the week, like there there was no way there there, there was no way that Baker Mayfield was missing this game. There's just, there was no, I there was no zero shot. chance in my mind that that we were going to see Kyle Trask out there. Like n- unless Baker's rib was detached from his body. Right. <laughs> like I, I did I don't I couldn't see a way um that, that he was missing this game with everything that's on the line, not just for the team, but for him personally. And then also, I mean, just a little bit. I know he wasn't there for long, but playing against Carolina, like is playing against a former team. Like I think that matters too. So um I just I don't see a way. I never saw a way that Baker was missing missing this game, and it's not surprising. Now, what you do say is you hope, just like you said, that he's not just doing this just because he wants to play. You hope that he's doing this because he thinks he can go out and be to his best of his abilities and not be, you know, 50% of what Baker Mayfield is, and the offense can barely function because you have a quarterback that can't really throw the ball because his ribs are hurting so bad. So, and then he's going to be taking hits, and then, you know, he takes one wrong hit, and all of a sudden it's Kyle Trask against the Eagles instead of Baker Mayfield. And I, I think we all know how that would go. 
So, uh, you know, you have to be careful. I, I do think you have to be careful. And you just hope that uh, because he did that in Cleveland, too. I think he had that that torn labrum or whatever, and he played through it and like he didn't play very well. So like he has a history of doing this. You just hope that he, they're him and the team are both making the right call by sending him out there and they can keep him you know healthy uh, and he can play well enough to be able to get the W. Because if, if you're basically doing stuff where it's like, remember the Saints game week four with Derek Carr, I forget. It wasn't a rib injury. I think it might have been a shoulder injury. And Derek Carr really couldn't throw the ball down the field. Like, and it hurt the Saints offense. The Saints offense scored nine points. You know, so I, I don't want to see that type of Bucks offense on Sunday because Baker Mayfield decided to play and he actually shouldn't be playing. Yeah, we talk about some things that are going to need to go right for the Buccaneers offense on Sunday if they want to come out victorious against the Panthers here. The offensive line, we've already kind of said it without saying it. I think protection for a not 100% healthy Baker Mayfield is going to be crucial this week, especially on some throwing downs. But I think it's going to be even more important to open up some run lanes early and often in this game. I think the Bucks, you know, in a, in a football game like this, where you're trying to get into the postseason as healthy as you possibly can, and you've already got a quarterback playing at not 100%, he's going to gut it out, and he's going to go out there, and he's going to do the damn thing, but... I think it definitely changes their game plan. I mean, you saw videos of him at one buck place throwing the ball all week long, and it wasn't like it was with the same velocity it has been all season in regular game time action. Like, clearly, he was rehabbing this week, and clearly, I don't think he's going to be throwing the ball as comfortably as he has been in games that we brought up, like Green Bay and against Jacksonville just a couple of weeks ago. The ribs are going to hurt him, and if you have him drop back and throw 35, 40 times a game against Carolina... That sounds like a recipe for disaster. So I wanted to talk about the offense here, and I wanted to talk about Rashad White. Get your opinions on this. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have not had a 1,000-yard rusher on the ground since, I believe, Doug Martin. I think Ronald Jones in 2019 was the last player to get close to the feet, uh, but he ended up getting COVID there at the... T- or not COVID. I think he ended up getting some other injury there at the tail end of the season, but... I, I I think no I it, it was it was COVID I think I think he missed he missed like two games and that was why was that he 20, wasn't able to do it was that twenty twenty then I thought it was twenty twenty yeah okay I was gonna say because there weren't any players missing games from COVID in twenty yeah yeah the, yeah, the, the last Buccaneers rusher who rushed for a, a thousand yards was Doug Martin two thousand fifteen so let's talk about Rashad White on the season two hundred and fifty three carries nine hundred and fifteen yards and six touchdowns he is tied for sixteenth in the NFL as far as rushing yards among running backs. He needs 85 yards to crack a thousand with how important the run game is going to be this week. Do you think he can do it? Only a couple of hundred yard rushing games under his belt this season, but he does have a couple of them. So he he's done it, but I, I don't think, I don't think he's done it effectively enough for me to feel strongly about him eating up 85 yards this week. What do you think? Yeah. I don't because I do think they're going to rely on him more, um, especially with with Baker's ribs. Because the he's look, he's not going to be a hundred percent. Like Baker Mayfield is not going to be a hundred percent healthy. So you you'd prefer, or at least I'd prefer to not. You know, because if you if you have him drop back, he can get hit, right? And so I think you'd want to avoid the amount of hits that he has to take. So the last time he played against Carolina, he had eighty four yards. So he needs uh, eighty five, <laughs> twenty carries for eighty four yards. So I, I I think there's a chance he gets it, just because I think he's going to get a lot of carries. Um, he's only go, gone over a hundred yards twice this season, and one was exactly a hundred, and the other one was one hundred two. So uh, yeah, it, it hasn't really been as efficient, but I do think he can he can pick it up. Um, and I, I'll say yes. I'll say he does get 85 yards to become the Buccaneers' first 1,000-yard rusher in almost a decade. Hard well, to believe, but almost a decade. Yeah, I know. That's insane. Now, the Panthers run defense towards the bottom of the pack in the NFL ranking, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, if they can slow him down. But even if it doesn't come in the ground and pound, I would like to see him open things up in the short pass game this week because we talked about – you know Baker Mayfield maybe not being to throw maybe not being able to throw the ball as effectively as he had in previous weeks and and I kind of I say that more so in reference to just chucking the ball downfield you know taking those 20 30 40 yard shots I mean if they're there I think he's going to take them 
but I don't know if he's going to be as quick to pull the trigger on some of those plays just because of the reluctancy. I mean, you got to see how comfortable well, he is on the first drive. Well, well, also, like, this entire season, what's been one of the biggest complaints? Hanging on to the ball too long. Yeah, so... Yeah, so, so like, I, I feel like he might, you know, hopefully he doesn't do that even more, and eventually you hang on to the ball too long, what's going to happen? You're going to take hits, so hopefully it doesn't happen. Yeah, I think getting the ball out quick on those high-percentage routes is going to be important. And I think guys like Rashad White are going to be there to open things up. Could be a big week for the tight ends as well. It seems like whenever the Bucs are trying to get things going in the short to medium pass game, they found some success this year with second-year tight end Kate Otten. Payne Durham has had a couple of moments. He had a, a circus catch at one point this season. So there's a couple of guys on the offensive side of the ball that I'm looking to kind of have a big game this week. I, I think it's going to be... Just one or two of those unsung heroes on the offense that kind of makes the biggest difference this week. We've talked about Mike Evans as well. Uh, I would expect a big game for Mike Evans, but it's one of those things. Like, I guess you're gonna, you're just going to have to see how Carolina decides to address him, but I think he's going to get his regardless. You know what I mean? Mike Evans, we talked about Baker's stats. Let's take a look at Big Mike stats for the 2023 season as well. 76 receptions. 1,233 yards, and currently, I believe, tied for first in the NFL with 13 touchdown receptions. Does he find the end zone once again against Carolina this week, Evan? Well, he had that big game against Carolina, right? He had that monster game um, last time these two teams played. Uh, I'll say sure. Yeah, why not? Um he was he was relatively I think you know quiet in, in last week's game so I think the Bucks are going to want to get him more involved um, and I think they could like you said I think even with Mayfield's injury they could look to to get the ball out quick and to get Mike Evans the ball with screens and stuff like that like like sort of uh, short shorter quicker stuff so um, I, I do think there's a chance so yeah sure why not Rashad White's going to get 85 plus yards and Mike Evans will score a touchdown right yeah now. there we go we like a lot of uh, we like a lot of offensive props today on the show we like a Mike Evans anytime touchdown. And then I don't know what the line for rushing is. Whatever, whatever. I'm sure it's not 85. So whatever it is set at, if it's at like 60, take the over, sure. All right. Let's take a look at the other side of the football now for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I want to talk about the run defense because when it comes to Carolina, Chuba Hubbard, (laughs) I don't know what it is, but we've said it before. We'll say it again. This guy is a certified buck killer on the season. He's got 215 carries. 819 yards, five touchdowns. Not quite as efficient of a runner as Rashad White has been, but it seems like against the Bucs, he looks like a top five running back in the NFL. That's going to have to be a non-issue this week because I, I I have some faith that even though there are some injuries back there in this Buccaneers secondary, they can still hold Bryce Young to a mediocre day. Like I, I feel good about this pass rush, honestly, and I feel good about... Bryce Young making a couple of mistakes on the day, and I feel good about the Bucks having enough wherewithal to be able to capitalize on those mistakes made by a rookie quarterback, but if they can't stop the run, <laughs> then it could be a really long afternoon. When you look at the Panthers on offense, I know that there's not a lot of things that people see that's going to scare some other teams, but you know, I, I just talked about it for a little bit here. I'm scared of the run defense this week. I would like to see them buckle down and not let Carolina run all over them like they have the last two uh, two seasons. Yeah, I mean, I think I talked about this on the, the post-game show when they played Carolina last time. Like, Chuba Hubbard has to circle the games against Santa Bay every year because Chuba Hubbard does nothing <laughs> except play well uh, against Tampa Bay. He has really, really come into his own. And um, actually, I'm looking up his season stats right now because I got to see his game log. Um, but, I, you know... I think on offense, you're right. You can force Bryce Young into some mistakes. Um, I think there's some things you can do, but um, let's see. Yeah. Uh, 60 yards rushing, 16 yards rushing, two yards rushing, 41, 35, 88 against Miami, uh, 28, 58, 23, 57, 45, 104, 87, 87, 43, 45. Guess which one was the Bucks? <laughs> Uh, guess which one it, was Tampa Bay? It, uh, and then if we want to go back to last year, we can go back to last year as well. Uh, let's see here. Uh, three, uh, zero, 25, zero, six, 
63 against Tampa. He, he held him in check. Deontay Foreman uh, ran all over him that game. Uh, 14-0, 65-74-0, 125. And only, he only had three carries against Tampa the last time they played. So 12, 12 yards of three carries. I mean, it's still four yards on average. I don't know why he didn't give it to him more. But, and I thought actually they should have given it to him more in the last matchup earlier this yeah. season because they were giving it to Miles Sanders. And whenever Miles Sanders had the ball, nothing was happening. They gave it to Chuba Hubbard and they were moving the football. I didn't understand why they went away from it. Yeah, Miles Sanders, I've talked to a lot of Carolina fans this year. He might be one of their worst free agent signings in recent history. It's crazy because I thought that would be a match made in heaven, the way that they were building that offense, but unfortunately it did not work. And just to add some more context to the offensive usage for Carolina in that last game against Tampa Bay, here was Bryce Young's stat line for the day. 15 for 31, 178 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception. He finished the day with a QB rating of 52.9. And his longest pass of the day was 31 yards. So again, there is nothing. Even Adam Thielen, who was able to get 1,000 yards this season, good for him. But like there is nothing on that Panthers offense that I am afraid of outside that running back room. Just because of, you know, whether it's Deontay Foreman, like you had said last season, or Chuba Hubbard this season, they have figured out a way to make that thing work against the Bucs. I... I I wouldn't be shocked if Miles Sanders had his best game of the season, you know, this week against Tampa Bay some way, somehow. Uh, no, not Miles Sanders. It's just Hubbard. It's it's just him. Um, but, uh, I mean, yeah, Thielen, I mean, Mingo has been disappointing. Mingo actually, I believe, got put on injured reserve, injured reserve so he's, uh, he's done. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, there's not much here. The Carolina offense, their offensive line has struggled all season long. Uh, the Bucks pass rush was okay against Carolina last time. Like, here is an amazing stat on the Buccaneers pass rush, and I I was shocked by this. Okay, this is from Greg Allman. Bucks priority versus Carolina is obviously a win in clinching a division title. But one stat to watch in getting there is how many sacks the Bucs can get. They had four in first game versus Panthers, and four Sunday would give them 48 for the year, matching second most in team history. That's fake. That is a fake stat. There is no way this Bucks team is going to have the second most sacks in team history. No way. I even saw your face when I said that. That is fake. Because there is no way that that's a real stat. Come on. Like, the past, that is such smoke and mirrors. Like, last week, freaking uh, Derek Carr ran out of bounds. Yeah. And yeah. he flipped it, and they count as a sack. Like, that's the type of sacks they have to be counting because there is no way this Buccaneers pass rush, this Buccaneers pass rush, is going to get tied for the second most in team history. Come on. Well, no. I think if they do want to get closer to that benchmark, it's going to have to start with the pass rush this week. But honestly, it's going to have to start with how aggressive they come out here in the first few drives. Like, I honestly... Todd Bowles, at at some points this year, I think he is still a top five blitzing coach in the NFL as far as like the defensive pass rush rates in the NFL. He's kind of gotten away from it here and there, but we we did see, you know, Devin White, since he's been back, he's been sent after the QB a couple of times to some mild success. I would like to see them send the blitz, you know, send the house early and often. Just be Mm -hmm. aggressive here at the start of the game because if you're going to coax Bryce Young into making mistakes – the earlier, the better, right? I mean, if you can get an interception from this kid on the first or second drive of the game, he's not going to get comfortable for the rest of the day. He hasn't done it against any other team this season. The Panthers are not a good enough team to compose themselves after you know they expose some weaknesses early in the game. So I think that's going to be the key to how the Bucks can control this game because that's what they want to do. Like best case scenario, they go out there and win forty-eight to nothing, right? Or they win seventy to twenty. Like that'd be cool, but. I think the Bucks have to be realistic and say that, look, this is a, a Panthers team that's ready to risk it all because, as you brought up earlier, they have got nothing to lose. So this may as well be their Super Bowl. If they can end the Bucks season, as a Panthers fan, I'm sure you can hang your hat on that at the end of just an awful season where you're not even going to get uh, your own number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I think it's going to have to start with this defense just – bringing the heat, getting after the quarterback, whether it's a linebacker, whether it's an extra pass rusher, whether it's a safety, you know, one of those Pro Bowl snubs like Antoine Winfield Jr., no matter who it is, getting after the quarterback early and often I think is going to be key and forcing those mistakes because 
once those mistakes start to happen, I, I don't think they're going to stop. Yeah, speaking of the the the, the blitzing numbers, uh, the Buccaneers' defense is blitz thirty nine point two percent of the time. That's third in the NFL, uh, just behind the Giants, who blitz forty five percent, forty five point three percent of the time, and who blitz forty nine point eight percent of the time. So, you play the Vikings sixty snaps, thirty of them are likely blitzes. That's crazy. That that is living on the wild side there. But um, yeah, you know, I I think you're definitely right. And here's the thing, like Panthers fans. They wouldn't even be mad with a. You can't be mad with a win. What's it going to do? It's not going to ruin your draft position. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not going to. It's not going to do anything. So like, who cares? <laughs> like, 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 who who really cares? Um. So yeah, I, I mean, I definitely. Um, and actually, based on this, looks like the Buccaneers are actually blitzing more this year than they did last year, which doesn't feel that way. They only blitz twenty eight point three percent of the time last year. Um, but look at these numbers. Blitz numbers are actually way higher this year for teams. There's not a single team here from last year, a single defense that had uh 40%, and we have two. We have we have we have two this year. So um blitz numbers are up a little bit. So uh yeah, I mean I think you know, if you're the Panthers, again, we talked about that having nothing to lose, right? And playing loose, playing free, and just sort of playing like more relaxed, like the Buccaneers are going to be the team that's tight. You know, they're going to be the team that's, uh, you know, they, they shouldn't, but it's, it's human nature to, to look at, at the scoreboard. Oh, what's the score of that Atlanta New Orleans game? You know, like it doesn't matter, but like, you're going to be thinking about it, right. You're going to be thinking about it. if you don't win, like <laughs> all the pressure is on you right now. So Carolina is going to be playing with house money. They're playing with absolutely nothing to lose as we have another $5 super chat from Deontay sell appreciate the five dollars Deontay uh we can't afford another bad play calling game by Dave I definitely I mean you can't afford uh the coaching staff performance that you had last week it was they were unprepared they were not motivated to play if you can't get prepared and motivated to play this game everybody on that roster should just ha, ha, should just be shipped out you know if you can't be motivated to get up and play for this game you know I, I don't know why you're on this team you know, I don't know why you're playing football honestly if, if you can't get motivated to win this game and that's exactly why I said at the beginning of the show, like if the Bucks find a way to lose to Carolina, because that's how they lose this football game, in my opinion. Like, we'll get to game predictions here in a second. <clears throat> but if the Bucks find a way to lose, I already have a feeling that 65, 70% of it is just going to be because they weren't prepared. Like, I, I, I just don't see a lot of scenarios where this Bucks team goes out and finds a way to lose to Carolina, and they find a way to lose while looking like a competent football team. Do you know what I'm getting at? Like, maybe mm -hmm. there's a chance this game is a barn burner, and maybe Carolina's got, like, one more left in them, you know, and, and nobody expects it to be a 38-31 game, but somehow it is. I feel like there's, I feel like there's, there's just not a lot of chance of something like that happening. So if the Bucks find a way to lose, that's why I said... There is no excuse for anyone to be back. Like, like Bowles is gone. You know, a week after having the team not prepared at all to go win the division, you have them come out and look like this. Like, he's done. He's done. I know people want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but the fact that this game is against the Panthers is why, if they lose, he is done. We said it at yeah. the beginning of the show. If they were playing a playoff team, if they were playing a team that was still fighting to get into the wild card for the NFC and had everything to play for, and it was a competitive game against a competitive team, that's one thing. Yeah. But if you want to be a team who gets to the postseason by winning the division, if you want to be taken seriously, you cannot make it look easy for Carolina. And I, and I think if the Bucks find a way to lose, uh, it's it's going to be mostly on coaching more than anything else. I mean, if Baker goes out and throws four interceptions, then maybe that'll help. But I just don't, I don't see it going down like that. And I don't want people to get the wrong idea. I don't want people to get on here and without context, just assume that we're thinking the Bucks are going to lose because that's not what I think is going to happen, which means it's the perfect time to get into our score Really quick, really, I just want to read off some things from the chat before oh, we head good. into the score predictions. Uh, Isaiah asked, the Bucks lose, Todd gone, is Baker gone? We already answered the yeah, Todd Bowles, I think, would 100% be gone. Uh, and if the Bucks were to lose against Carolina, mm, I, I do think I do think it's more likely than not that Baker would be gone, just because I think... I think, just, I think 
I, I think it would be, and it's not 100%, right? I think 100% bowls would be gone. I think Baker would have a better chance of coming back. I think it's but, just ripping the Band-Aid off is what the Bucks would want to do. Right. Um, it, it basically, you know, I think this loss would be so inexcusable that I think you would almost have no choice but to get rid of both Bulls and Baker because I just don't know how you'd be able to bring either one of them back and have fans or anybody truly believe that the next year is going to be different. So um, I would say probably they're both gone if the Bucks lose. Yeah, the only acceptable situation after potentially the most embarrassing loss in franchise history, this is a franchise that started 0-26, and a loss against the Panthers would be the record, I shit you not, for the most embarrassing loss yeah, in Yeah, it, it would be up there, yeah. Uh, so the only acceptable thing to do after a loss of that nature is a hard reset, and, and that's what I think the Bucks. even though I don't think they want to do it, like, I, I think the Bucks want this to work. I, I don't think, I don't think Jason Light wants to fire Todd Bowles, per se. I think he would like this to work out. But a loss to Carolina, there's no excuse. There's there's really nothing else you can do. You have to just rip the Band-Aid off, and you got to start over. Now, that's not a full rebuild. I don't want people to think that they're going to start shipping off guys left and right, but it's definitely going to affect how you build this team in the future, and it's definitely going to affect the draft because if Baker and Bowles are gone, you better believe they're going to try and swing on a QB. Maybe they trade up, but that's a conversation for another day. Let's wrap up this week's game preview. With some score predictions, I think the Bucs are going to win. Cautiously optimistic because every single time this year I've gone into a game and said, I think the Bucs should win, uh, they they effing lost. <laughs> you know, like uh, every single time this year I have said the Bucs should win, they lost. So the Bucs should win. <laughs> it should not be a close game. The Bucs should win by more than one possession. I think the offense, I don't think they're going to play so well that, you know, it's a runaway game in the third quarter, but I do think they play well enough, and maybe this game is enough in hand by the start of the fourth that you can feel good about pulling Baker Mayfield and letting Kyle Trask play that final quarter of the regular season. I think the Bucks' run game really comes in clutch, and they have one of their best performances of the year against Carolina when it matters I got the Bucks coming out on top. Final score, 28-17. to 17. Ooh. Okay. Is that a lot of points? So, I, I also I also think the Bucks win. But, yeah, 28 feels a little high to me. Um, I, I remember saying a few weeks ago with, like, four games remaining, I was like, the Panthers have the strongest defense out of all these teams that they're going to play. Um, 28 just feels a little high to me. Speaking of, though, a little high, the Rashad White prop is actually a little bit high. I checked on, yeah, not that, but I checked on DraftKings, and um, it is uh, 70 and a half. So I'm thinking he's still going to get 85 yards to get 1,000, but so I would still bet the over, but it is a little bit higher than I thought it would be. So uh, just if you're any, and that's on DraftKings. I don't know. It could be different on other sites, but um I, I do think uh, that the uh, the Buccaneers will win. Uh, Joel says uh, we can't let the Panthers score 17. Well, the Panthers scored 18 the last time. So, <laughs> um, not so just to just to kind of go with the game flow of my my prediction here. I know I said that by the fourth quarter, Kyle Trask is going to be in this football game. So I think in the fourth quarter they get a garbage time touchdown. It would probably be 28 to 10, but you know. Late score in the fourth quarter. It is what it is. Twenty eight seventeen. Not I'm, that it matters. I'm, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say it's it's an ugly game. I think Baker's not gonna be a hundred percent, and I think the Bucks are going to win seventeen to thirteen. Um, I just don't think the Panthers are gonna score enough. I just don't think the Panthers have enough defense. Seventeen. Um, it says seventeen. I just. I think the Panthers' defense is pretty good. Um, I think Baker's injury is going to limit him a little bit, and I just, yeah, I don't like what I saw on the offense last week. Uh, it was a little bit discouraging for me. The run game, like even the, they won, so you didn't really talk about it as much. But like in the Jacksonville game, the run game was garbage. Um, 
And last week, the run game was not good. So that worries me that the run game is maybe going you know down to earth a little bit. Um, so I, I think 17 to 13 is fair. I was thinking it was 17 10, but uh, Richard with the $5 super chat. Uh, big win energy LFG, no room for little lose energy. Bucks 2023 NFC South Division champions. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Uh, would, they would be in our scenario, you know, in, in our in our scenario. Um, it, it would. What's up? He said division champs. Well, you know, hey, it all counts, right? It, it, a trophy is a trophy. Yeah. Uh, whether a division or division, you know, that's that's fine. Uh, but um, thank you. Richard. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I think. Again, we'll be having discussions about uh, uh, even though we're gonna, you know, you'll be prepping for a playoff game, which is, by the way, most likely going to be the Eagles. Uh, the scenario where is the Eagles play the Giants, the Cowboys play the Commanders. If the Eagles win, Cowboys lose, the Bucks would play the Cowboys. If uh, the Eagles win and the Cowboys win, if both teams win, all things are equal, the Bucks would play the Eagles. So most likely going to be playing Philadelphia. And then obviously if Dallas wins and the Eagles lose, uh, the Bucks would still play the Eagles. So most likely going to be Philly. I think somebody asked me who I'd rather play. Uh, they asked earlier, uh, Dallas or Philly. To me, it has to be Philly. Uh, I just think Dallas is better. Uh, I still think Philly's a good team. Like I, I do think they're a good team. They've had their struggles. I think they're a good team, though. But I think if, if you had to choose one or two, um, I, I think you have to go with Philly. I just think it's the easier defense. Um, I, I, I think right now the Dallas's offense has looked better than Philly's, and I, I just think right now you have to be hoping for Philly. Yeah, it's a team they've played before this season as well, right. so you have film on that particular matchup. And on top of that, I know the Eagles have been down and out lately, but the biggest thing, in my opinion, that's going to stop them from being a Super Bowl contender this season is is the locker room issues because that's it. That's important. I know, I know a lot of people are, are able to kind of shrug that off and be like, Oh, AJ Brown just wants the ball more. But I just, I, I don't think, I don't know. I, I, I think things are starting to fall apart and I, I don't mean like complete collapse. Like I don't think the Eagles are going to be a five win team next season. That's not at all what I'm saying, but whatever issues they're having in the locker room this year, I don't know the full extent of it. I don't even know if it's an issue but the fact that people are reporting on it means where there's smoke, there's fire. And I just, I think whatever they're going to try and do this year, that's going to be the one thing that'll hold them back because you got to have everybody on the same page. And, yeah. you know, we saw two years ago Antonio Brown rip his jersey off and run off of the field because he wasn't on the same page as the rest of the team. And to this day, a lot of Bucks fans will argue that that one decision by Antonio Brown is, is one of the many reasons the Bucs uh, did not win the Super Bowl. That 2021 season. Oh, yeah. Uh, Deontay with one more $2 super chat. Appreciate it, Deontay. We should be happy for three titles in a row. It's definitely something that, you know, it's, I believe before last season, they had never won back to back South titles. So to win three in a row would be, yeah, I mean, fantastic, you know, for sure to hang up yet another banner. Um, you know, so far the 2020s <laughs> has been pretty good to the Buccaneers. So, um, yeah, I mean, to hang up another banner for a team that hasn't hung up many banners, um, yeah, it would be pretty cool. Um, so we will talk about, you know, the playoff game. We'll, you know, we won't know the opponent until probably Sunday night. Won't know the time or anything until probably Sunday night. Could be Saturday, could be Sunday. I hope it's not Monday, but it could be just like last year was Monday. That, that, that sucked. Um, but, um, so we'll see. And I do think we'll continue to have discussions about Todd Bowles' job security. So, because I really quick, you can, by the way, shameless plug, go check out the newest video on the channel where we talk about how even like a win isn't like guaranteeing Todd Bowles' job security. Uh, we talked about the Scott Reynolds thing a few days ago. We talked about that on our, our Tuesday show. You can check that out as well as the video that was just posted last night. So um, go check that out. But I will say that even if he makes the playoffs, it's not out of the woods yet. So we'll have to wait and see about that. A lot on the line this week for not only the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but the head coach, Todd Bowles. Yeah. Coach but yeah, if, 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 he, if he loses this game and misses the playoffs, the chances he has a job are zero. Whereas <laughs> if he makes the playoffs, he has a better shot for sure. Yeah, a lot on the line this week for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But it, I mean, it all comes down to this. Winning you're in, losing it's over. So the playoffs have officially begun for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The next loss on the year 
will be their last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's actually yeah. That, that, that's actually a really good point. Yeah, the, the next loss will be their last. And uh, basically, uh, that that the game review uh, twenty four hours from now. Actually, uh, we're it's five oh one right now when we're recording this. Twenty four hours from now, it's either going to be one of two things. We're either going to be talking about a third straight NFC South title, or we're going to be having a much, much, much different discussion. Um, so we're either going to be doing. This could be our last game preview. Could be our last game pre- preview of the season. We're either going to be doing this next week, will either be another game preview, or it's going to be talking about where this team goes from here. So it is exciting times. Win, lose, or draw. We will be live here on YouTube.com forward slash Cane of Fire podcast after the game tomorrow. Hopefully a win is what we will be talking about with our beloved Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But make sure you subscribe to the channel right here on YouTube. So you can be notified the minute we go live after the game tomorrow. We'll also be taking your calls as the Cannon Fire Hotline will be open and ready for your Bucks takes. But ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this week's game preview edition of the Cannon Fire podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. All the people, all the great people in the live chat, Deontay Incel with the super chat. If I'm not mistaken, we also got one from our buddy on the West Coast over there, Richard T. Hanging out with Joel, Bat W, Eddie Nash, Brent O'Neill, Isaiah J, Al Bundy. Four touchdowns in one game, Al Bundy. Uh, And anybody else that I may have missed hanging out with us in the chat, we appreciate your guys' support. Subscribe if you haven't already. Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And, of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer news as it happens. Speaking of Bucks news as it happens, you can follow my co-host, Evan, on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily. You can also find him on Twitter at Evan NFL and check out his written work at BucksNation.com. What have you got this week to uh, get people ready for the game? Yeah, uh, the final Q&A of the regular season uh, will be up actually probably sometime tonight. Uh, so uh, the final Q&A of the regular season, potentially the final Q&A of the season in general. Hopefully it's not, but uh, we will see. And the Buccaneers win. We'll be covering it again next week on, on BucksNation.com. If the Buccaneers lose, you'll be seeing some off-season content from me. You know, we'll be seeing maybe some breaking news about Todd Bowles or, or whoever. So, um, yeah, so be on the lookout for that win, lose, or draw. Uh, we're always going to have stuff over there on BucksNation.com. Great stuff. Last but not least, you can find myself, Instagram, and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T. AKUS, if you follow me, I will follow you back. Thanks once again, everybody hanging out with us over on YouTube. We appreciate your support and look forward to bringing you some more Tampa Bay Buccaneers coverage, hopefully after a win on Sunday. But make sure you're hanging out with us tomorrow. Win, lose, or draw after the game, live right here, youtube.com forward slash Cannon Fire Podcast. I'm your host, Rip Matthews, signing off from my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, thank you again for listening, and go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.